Welcome to the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks for being a part of this journey. This podcast is all about the getting started moments because, let's face it, the first step toward accomplishing anything can be the hardest part. And we cover all the bases. I bring on guests to share their getting started moments and how they overcame obstacles and pressed on, how they built their business from the ground floor, or how they took a chance on themselves to follow their purpose. I also share some solo episodes where I narrate and expand on many of the blog articles I've written around getting started and some of the lessons I've learned along the way. This podcast has been a labor of love for the last several years, and I'm grateful to have you join along and support me on this journey. I hope you enjoy this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Jen Marr, who is the founder and CEO of Inspiring Comfort LLC and the author of the new book, Showing Up. Let me read a quick bio on Jen, and then we're going to jump into the episode. Jen Marr is a speaker, author, and founder and CEO of Inspiring Comfort. She has utilized her 30 years of experience in business, leadership development, and the healthcare industry to research, develop, and offer solutions to our current mental health crisis. Ten years ago, Jen had a front row seat to the Sandy Hook tragedy and to the Boston Marathon bombing. She immediately began working in crisis response and recovery efforts. She saw firsthand the need for ongoing support for those who are struggling. In doing this, she realized there is a massive gap between people who are struggling and people who want to help but don't know how. This is when Inspiring Comfort was born. Since then, Jen has been immersed in trauma research and developing programs that address this gap. Her work in the field of human connection has made an indelible impact on the lives of countless people. She is passionate about furthering the science of human connection and has worked with researchers and thought leaders across the country to cultivate cultures of care through the critical life skill of comfort. This movement is taking root in notable organizations including the White House Leadership Development Program, the National Suicide Lifeline, Georgetown University, Northeastern University, the New York Office of Mental Health, and the American Association of Suicidology. I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation I have with Jen. So without further ado, please welcome in Jen Marr. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. Thanks, Brian. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. Good to chat. I'm excited to learn more about your journey and all the cool things you're doing to help humanity in a better way. Um, and I wanted to start actually, you know, being the Getting Started podcast and all these getting started moments, we have so many throughout our lives and, and some are bigger than others, but I was hopeful that you'd share. And, and I think maybe we can corner around one around kind of from starting a business. Um, I think maybe a route to go, unless you take us in another direction, but can you share maybe one of the more impactful getting started moments um, mm-hmm. that you've had in your life. And then we'll go down that rabbit hole a little bit deeper. Yeah. Well, I think it might frame the whole discussion because I never set out to do this business. And so getting started, um, was after some, um, tragic events in my life, I was helping in the recovery efforts of the Sandy Hook elementary shooting tragedy. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the time was training for Boston, uh, and, just four months after the Sandy Hook tragedy, I was less than a half a mile from the finish line in Boston when the bombs went off and my family was there. And 
just processing those two crises um, and realizing in the aftermath, one I was supporting and one I needed support, it really opened my eyes to this gap I felt I was standing in where I could so clearly see people who were struggling deeply and people that wanted to support them, but just didn't know how. Um, and my background prior to that moment was all in business development. And so I felt very led to um, get started <laughs> in diving into the science of human care and why is this phenomenon happening? Had you had other, like, was it a clear, like, the, because of these events that happened, like, all of a sudden your mind just switched? Or had you had, did you ever look back and say, oh, you know, I kind of wanted to do stuff like this, or I had ideas in the past, maybe, maybe it looked differently. Did you have some moments like that before? Or was this really a clear, like, just veer off the road in another direction? Yeah, it was a clear veer off the road. I was taking time off to raise my girls. I was taking a break from my career at the time. Mm. And so it was really not a time that I was looking to start anything. Um, but it was once you have a business development heart uh, and you look at everything through that lens, it just became so clear to me. And this was, you know, this was almost starting 10 years ago now. And really over these 10 years, watching prior to COVID, how this disconnection crisis was already happening. And then what through COVID, how it happened, you know, just put it on accelerator. Uh, and, you know, basically what happened is I saw in the field how what was being used to support and help through recovery wasn't really hitting the mark. Like, you know, so many programs and schools, and it wasn't only Sandy Hook, I was going to all these crisis response teams um, efforts throughout Western Connecticut and um, New York state. And so whether it was a drug overdose or a suicide and the programs on the ground were things like random acts of kindness or emotional training, like empathy and compassion. And neither of those were hitting the mark and it was causing actually more disconnection. Mm. Um, and one example is, random acts of kindness. It's random, right? <laughs> so what happens is in the case of Sandy Hook, a town of 24,000 people, 67,000 teddy bears were sent, right? 67,000 very well-intentioned people wanting to help just helped add burden to a town and unknowingly we're adding a burden. And on the other hand, um, you know, the schools are teaching emotional training. I mean, EQ is incredibly important. Um, however, when you're face to face with somebody that lost a child or is dealing with anything, whether it's burnout, crisis, loss, suicide, um, losing a job, you name it, an emotion doesn't equip you to know what to say and do. And so that's the gap I was forming, you know, that and it's just gotten more and more um, wide because we're not addressing what's stopping people and what they have to push through to cross that bridge. So you're saying the program, the there's the intent is good, like, hey, this is a program that's going to help, except it doesn't maybe have the action items that mm -hmm. would ultimately get us to where you'd want to go. Is that what I'm understanding? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to dive into what is that action gap? Um, we yeah, can I, so I would, yeah, I would love to do that. Because <laughs> I think about like, you know, my, so I have a nine-year-old and they do this thing called the positivity project. I'm not sure if this is similar or not, but like, I'm thinking, you know, there's all these things about 
positivity and the way you treat people and all these things. And I'm like, okay, it seems like it works well, but now just, just by you saying that, I'm like, okay, does it, is there things that are missing in that or are there opportunities to even go deeper? I don't, so I don't know. I'm just talking out loud here, but that's, you know, kind of gets me thinking about, you know, what are, are, and it's, it's not just kids, right. It's adults too, but like, what are we teaching Mm -hmm. to get to a better outcome, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so good. And I mean, that positivity is so critical for, for kids and I'm glad they're getting that Uh, when it comes to human suffering and let's just like call it what it is. It's human suffering. Right. And no, not one of us avoids it. (laughs) We can't escape it. We all deal with it. Um, but there's not a lot of training for it, right? Like there's a lot of training to know how to resolve conflict. There's a lot of training for know how to delegate tasks. There is not a lot of training to know how to help people through a difficult time, loss, grief, tragedy, crisis, whatever you want to call it. And so what happens is the emotional training is great. So let's say you feel empathy or compassion. Um, and both of those emotions are, are critical, I think sometimes what I noticed on the field, what was happening is that there are, you you can feel these great emotions, but you also have negative emotions that oppose it, right? So basically this awkward zone is filled with emotions like fear and doubt. Um, There are behaviors like, I don't think it's my place to step in. I don't think it's time. I don't know what to say. Um, I think somebody else can do it. Um, I think I'll wait and do it later or all of these doubts, a lot of fears, um, are mindset behaviors that stop people from taking any action at all. So you have a good emotion, there's always an opposing emotion. And those opposing emotions will win 80% of the time, unless you have the skills and strategies to give you the confidence to break it through. And so you have to have, you know, compassion and empathy are nouns, right? You can't be compassioned by somebody can't be empathy by someone. So what is the verb? What is the action you teach? And that's where we landed on comfort, right? Because COM means community and fort is strength. So the word was always built as a verb. It was always meant to bring people together through tough times. Um, Really what it's kind of been hijacked in the, the cozy alienating noun form of comfort But at its core, it's an incredibly resilient verb. And if we can teach people to how to be there, like if you look up Merriam-Webster definition, the definition for the verb form is to bring strength and hope. And we do that through working together through our struggles. And so that's where it really started. Um, And because there were no programs on the ground really bringing people together, um, a lot of focus on what I just told you, and then also a lot of self-care focus And in the meantime, all I did for five solid years was watch people feel more and more and more alone, more and more and more unseen, um, more and more sad. And there just were not good solutions on the ground to reach them. And so that's where I started. Yeah, because I was curious, like you had this idea, because this comes up a lot in the podcast, is like you had this idea, well-intentioned, like, hey, I want to solve. I see there's a problem here. But then actually doing something about it. You start a business and do like, how did the first few days, weeks, months, like how did that transpire? Yeah. Well, yeah, it transpired by, I had this opportunity. I was going into Sandy Hook every, I, I was there every week for five years. So to be really, you know, in the school with the students and the teachers and the parents and watching what a long-term 
care response is. And then on the other hand, I would be going to these other schools for suicide or drug overdose or car accident. Um, and the standard crisis response is 24 to 72 hours max. And then it's get back to normal. And I couldn't do it. I just, I, I'm like, what happens now to these students? I was watching them not understand how to support each other. And I felt like, okay, I'm coming in to help for a day or two and then I'm leaving and now what? And this, this um, line was going into my, my mind, you know, the line, you can give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Right. That's how I felt. I felt, okay, I'm bringing these guys comfort for a day. Where is the resilience in that? Where, what, how can they do it? So we started just with after school programs, just started bringing kids together in these trauma-based schools and giving them, um, uh, intuitively knew that if they helped other people, they would feel better themselves. So we started just this um, after school club to help them identify and care for people in their own lives. And um, it led to one research study. It led to um, it being adopted throughout the different states in the country and then ultimately forming a company and then ultimately writing a book and so on and so on and so on. <laughs> With so some action items, I guess you mentioned one there, because I was going to ask, I'm glad you kind of layered one in there. It was like, the after school care and then like teaching them, you know, to give basically to care for others. And that whole, I'm assuming that just as a spiral effect on like making them feel better. Is that the whole, the point maybe, or giving them more, yeah. feel like there's more self-worth or. Well, there's a whole science behind it, right? right? There's a whole science and, you know, and I started diving into that with Dr. David Desteno um, at Northeastern University. And we created the process called the circle of comfort, which includes five steps. And those five steps um, basically start with three steps, which are just perspective taking, which is happens with a lot of emotional training is first notice those around you that are struggling and then identify someone you want to help and really think of what that person needs, what they may want to hear, right? That's all perspective taking three steps. But then what happens is we require the students to actually create a token of care and deliver it. And those were all accompanied with different lessons that we did. And so the standard program that we put together for them at the time was eight lessons. And we found that after four lessons or so, um, of switch was flipped and they went from something they had to do to something they wanted to do. Because basically what happens is if you go and actually help people, um, the way that Dr. Justino would describe it is your brain's reward system goes off and it's more rewarding to do it than not. We've taken kids with apathy, full on apathy, don't care, don't want to be involved. Um, to caring students by putting them through those eight lessons and requiring them to care. Now, were these things that normally you'd get, like maybe a public school would put together or these things like me as a parent, I can go out and find and go through those lessons with my son or mm -hmm. how, how does the, how does the programs work in general? How does the rollout yeah. work? Who, who can access it, I guess? Well, anybody can access it right now the way that we have it. And, and that's just our youth program. It's a program called Project Comfort. Um, so you would basically go onto our website and um, order the program. And then you would need to have um, 
people go through our facilitator training for it. Um, and so there's facilitation training, then they, you get all the materials and supplies with it, and then you can implement the program. Um, that program actually was also, we just did a research study on that during COVID with the New York Office of Mental Health um, with amazing results. But that's our youth program. And the book that I just wrote and really where we're also spending a great deal of time is in our adult programming as well. And that's a little different. Yeah. Now, is that, I guess I'll ask a similar question. Is is that something more, I'm assuming through companies or organizations where organizations are offering that as a, as a benefit to their employees or staff? Is exactly. that right? Okay. Because what we found during the um, youth program is that the staff and administration needed to be trained and wanted to be trained even before they brought the program in. So it really um, got us focusing very deep on um, adult education and care. And we put together a few years ago um, a full-on assessment that we assess each participant with what their care behaviors are, um, also anonymously survey the workplace environment to see a temperature read of how cared for they feel, how cared for they feel outside of work, what they're worrying about, what they're dealing with. So you have a full-on assessment. And the second step is we inform them through a keynote or webinar. Then we have workshops that dive into their assessment data to basically be able to have them know what's stopping me from caring, number one. Number two, what can I say? My personality, what kind of person I am? What's my go-to phrases that I can say? What are my go-to phrases that I can do? So that this gap, you know, everybody knows how to cross that gap and they're not stuck in that awkward zone anymore. And obviously then the last step is cultivate where we have the train the trainer program that will um, embed people within organizations that can maintain and grow the culture by continuing to um, facilitate programming and give those assessments and surveys. Like all these things you're doing, did this exist like somewhere else, meaning like these studies have been done in the past or this research showed, or did you all develop this from scratch? It's been 10 years. Wow. 10 years of iteration after iteration, you know, research study, a couple research studies, really working with some really bright minds out there. Um, because again, I think how we care for each other is evolving and changing. The paradigm is shifting, right? Think about it. Like it used to be that this is something you learned in the home. Um, we've worked with workplaces now where 35% of people don't have support outside of work. You know, we've just, society has changed. You have, you have technology on top of that, um, much faster place. And, you know, just to be equitable, not everybody is brought up in a caring environment. So it really has changed from a home and community issue to a workplace and a school issue that um, we have to make sure that wherever people gather, that people have those, what we would call human skills. You know, we make sure we know how to do a lot of them, but all right, let's help, make sure we all know how to care for people through their struggles. And it would do a lot to stop this great resignation. Yeah. What did, uh, so you mentioned you were just doing this yourself, like you're going into Sandy Hook each week, week after week, and then you, you went to some other areas. When did it, I don't know if like the spark is the best phrasing or whatever, but like when did others start to catch on or when did you start involving other people to like grow this into something maybe yeah. greater than just those areas? No, definitely. It's, it's a good question because I mean, Sandy Hook, I started that in January of 2013 and really truly at five years on the ground, I was just a practitioner of care, really just 
being with people and understanding what they were going through and developing these programs wasn't until um, 2017 that we formed Inspiring Comfort, where some of the people I was working with, um, I brought on two co-founders. And um, then we made it official and actually built it. You know, we did a research study in 2016, um, formed the company in 2017, uh, wrote a book in 2018 that was released in 2019, right before COVID. Um, and then 2020 and 2021, we've really, we did another research study, built out all of our assessing um, and started really working with a lot of organizations through COVID, um, wrote another book that was just out in 2021. So yeah. that's been the evolution. Wow. And congrats on the new book. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, what, what are you hopeful this book will get out or maybe the message of this book, maybe different than the, the one prior? Yeah, no, the, the message is um, show up. That's the name of the book. The book is called Showing Up. And that is, in a nutshell, what we have to do for each other. I mean, you know, the stats are off the charts with what's happening with our mental health crisis. Um, and it, something has to give. And we, what's basically what's happened is when you look at wellness programs, when you look at how are we caring for each other, there's been, we look at two different ways, right? Um, that basically over the past decades, we've had self-care, which again is important, right? We need to this EQ, self-regulating our emotions, understanding our emotions, understanding um, really critical. And then we've really built up the mental health community, also very critical, right? But it's almost like those are the two pillars. So like, if you can't handle those emotions yourself, go see a mental health professional. If you're really feeling terrible, send somebody to a mental health professional. The issue with both of those, and now this is what's all coming out, you hear it with the American Psychological Association, you hear it with what's going on, is the whole fiber of our social network has been pulled out because of that, because there's no focus on supporting each other and social connectedness. So that's why you have like the American Psychological Association saying the number one way to get through COVID is social connectedness. So now all of a sudden, there's basically all of these great programs for self-care. And we also have this great, you know, mental health system, which by the way, can't handle what's going on right now. But what we need is we need, we need the middle. We, people need their, their peeps. They need their squads. They need yeah. people to, you know, it's how our bodies are wired um, to overcome stress. So that is now all of a sudden the pendulum is swung back in the middle and people are looking for this type of, um, programming is how do we reconnect people? How do we get people together? How do we end this loneliness epidemic? How do we pull people out of isolation? How do we make sure people feel valued, seen, and cared for? And um, and that's right now where where the big focus is. Um, and so um, that's where my lane is. I, let me. How how do we do that? Because like it, I, I, I guess my, the one thing I'm thinking right now is like if I want to if I want social connection, right. If I want to get out there, whether it's friends or new people, I want to go, you know, meet new people at a conference, whatever it is, I'm actively choosing to do that. Mm -hmm. So is the challenge like people that don't feel they could get out and meet people, or is it, they don't have support systems right now and they don't trust like, Hey, I don't want to go talk to this mental health professional, but I want other, like, I'm curious of like, in, if you have to make the choice, some people would make the choice like, Hey, I, I feel lonely. I'm going to go 
be around people or be supportive. Others may choose just to continue to be lonely. If that may, I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm wondering if that's a challenge of like, people have to make that choice. You can't do that for them. Right. Well, the one thing with what you described is you're putting the focus on the person that's struggling, right? Okay. So basically what, what we try to do when we teach care is you shouldn't put the one the focus on the one struggling to have to figure out how to help themselves struggle. Okay. So basically what this, this is why I'm asking, I'm trying to get, exactly, this, right? is, this is good. So, but unfortunately, a lot of times that's what's happening. So um, the focus needs to be on a lifestyle, right? Social connectedness, deep caring relationships are core to being human. They really are, which is why all of us should know and brush up on how do we reach out to people? How do we open our eyes to see those around us that are struggling and lend a hand, give some support, ask them out for coffee, drop off a flower, send them a text, right? It's really part of our humanity to care for each other. And if we can just spend part of each of our day, and if every business leader and organization will say, we're going to have a caring workforce and we're going to train our leadership and our managers and directors to know how to look for and reach out to those that are struggling instead of just having people go to work and go home. It's the, it used to be that way, but the paradigm has now shifted because so many people don't have someone to care for outside of home. And so it should be up to all of us to help each other because then what happens is when we're struggling, someone's going to help us, which is the way it should go. No, that's a great point. Yeah. Cause as you were, as you were saying that it made me think like, I, you know, I try to reach out like, oh, I haven't heard from so-and-so in a while. Let me just text them and see how they're doing or let me do this. But to your point, and I think that's where you mentioned the gap. Sometimes you don't always know, mm-hmm. how do I reach out? Or how mm-hmm. would they, yeah, what's, what's a bad, ah, I don't want to, is that going to be uncomfortable or is that going to be awkward asking? So I see where the, the, right the gap, gap is here, right? You're right, right in the, in the gap. gap. So yeah, the book is just full of, um, it's, it's 208 pages and it's designed by Sky Quinn who works at Time Magazine and does all their bookazines. And so it's laid out with visuals and charts and graphs and statistics and hundreds and hundreds of tips and tools Mm -hmm. that can help you um, guide your way through what works for me. And what's awkward to me. Um, So even the book itself will kind of, it's kind of a go-to guide. It's not like a read cover to cover book. It's, it's literally just keep it on the shelf and here are things I can say, here are things I can do here. are things like just all sorts of hundreds of little actions. Um, And then obviously uh, workplace programming will actually take it deeper with an assessment and um, workshops um, really where you can begin to apply it every day. Now, if someone, let's say someone that works in organizations listening, do they reach out to you and just, hey, I buy these programs or I get these and then I teach them myself? Or do y'all come in and actually teach the program? How, How does that all work? Yeah, we have, just as I mentioned before, we have the four step program. So basically, you know, the first step is assessing, um, you know, we would hope to be able to assess their organization, uh, whereas each individual employee will first do an assessment of their own care behaviors, Mm -hmm. but also they'll um, answer an anonymous survey where we don't ask for their data, which will really give the organization a temperature read with all that aggregated data back. And then sometimes starts with keynote, 
um, and then obviously going to the workshops, and then we'll train trainers to be within their organization that they can maintain and grow that culture. Um, and so that's usually those four steps are the ways we go, or we just start with a keynote and then go back and um, go deeper into it after that. All right. So I want to ask a couple of things, and I appreciate the time here. I want to maybe finish up on a few other questions around getting started. So I want to take down two avenues. So first is, so besides buying the book, which people should should definitely buy, if they're getting started to think differently about how to interact with people to be more giving, you mentioned, you know, everyone can't send the teddy bears, maybe, as you mentioned earlier, what are some things they should consider or think about in terms of being that kind of go-giver, being that that person that wants to help? Great question. You know, I have a lot of examples in the book. I think one of my favorites, it's so simple, um, is just consider everybody an empty jar that you need to fill up with marbles. And so many times when we feel, like when we know someone's really struggling or has suffered loss or tragedy, everything is very front-loaded, right? Like I got to send a card, I got to do this. And, and it's very quickly that people forget the person. And so people that are struggling are alone a lot. And there's never one thing you're going to do. There's never, in fact, it's almost like don't rush to do something at the beginning. Be there for the long term. So if there's one thing that I would say is, when if you know someone's struggling, don't put the pressure on yourself to do one big thing. Just know this is going to be a lot of little actions over a longer period of time. And a lot of times that is as simple as sending a song or a photo or a text or leaving a voice message or asking that person if they want to go for a walk. And it is in the accumulation of all those little actions that builds the trust. And once the trust is built, the person begins to open up and then that begins a deeper relationship. And I think you'll find like, if you think for a second, like your favorite people, Brian, just who are the favorite people in your life? And I guarantee you, they will have been people that have walked you through some tough times and that understand you Mm -hmm. and have not abandoned you. And that's kind of what this is all about is just never give up lots of little things for the manager, for the director, for the business executive. It is your place to care. It is your place to step in. If you know someone's going through a hard time, like that's one of the big barriers. It's not my business. It's not my place. You know, it's not your business and place to solve everything, but it is your place to validate and care. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of um, different barrier behaviors that we can look at. Um, But in the end, it's a lot of just positive little actions that continue to show somebody that you see them and that you care. Wow, that's great. That's a a really great thoughts there. Um, I did want to get your thoughts to to kind of wrap up here on just getting started in general. And, And you could take it around business. Um, you could take it just around, you know, kind of going toward like a why or your, you know, you, this kind of this thing that was calling you, if you will. Um, but any encouragement, any thoughts? Um, I like to say if someone had a post-it note, you can, you know, kind of jot it down to look at it every day. But any words of encouragement to get people started? Yes. No, there is something that has stayed with me from the beginning. You know, I've been in business development all my life and it took me a while to really understand this. And that is every idea you try to build, you know, whether or not it's writing a book, whether or not it's putting a program out there, whether or not, whatever it is, 
you're going to come up with it, you're going to launch it, and then there's going to be problems with it. There's always, there will always be problems with it. And what you have to understand is that's part of the process. So you fix those problems, you relaunch, you find out what's wrong, you fix the problem, you relaunch. And it's, it is in going over and around that circle, literally hundreds of times until you finally get to the right formula. And so I guess the, so the, then, then, you know, the gist of it is don't give up. Like you might be one iteration away from getting it right. And I think so many times, and, and you, you do have to have a deep passion because that's another thing too. I've, I've been in businesses where I just wasn't mm, not sure about this, but like this business, I know this is needed. And so I will continue to iterate it until I get it right. And it, what, if I have out right now is not a hundred percent, Am I going to go through another iteration? Of course. <laughs> like even after I put the book out, like I'm already like figuring out how I can add to it. You know, right. that's my advice. Like just if you believe in it, never give up and never get frustrated with launching something and there being problems with it. Yeah, that's a great point. I always go back to when I when I think about that of like, oh, should I give up or whatever? I always think of um, uh, James Dyson for Dyson vacuums. I think he did over 5,000 iterations. Before he <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Something like that over a many year period. So I'm like, well, we appreciate his vacuums are so good, but I'm like, if, if he hadn't taken that much time to really right? you know, iterate, iterate. So yeah, I could try one more time. So that's, that's always what I think when I think of, you know, not just, not just throwing in the towel, but trying again. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, now where can everyone, so the book, can you, showing up, can you get that on your website, Amazon, what are the details there? Yes, um, it is absolutely on Amazon um, under showing up and author is me, Jen Marr, M-A-R-R, or our website is inspiringcomfort.com and that will have all of our programming and there's a page on there for the book showing up where you can buy it as well. And do you, where do you hang out in the social channels? You, on LinkedIn, where, where are some other spots that you're, you're on where people can say hello? Yeah, thank you. Um, definitely LinkedIn. Um, I am Jen Mar under LinkedIn, also Inspiring Comfort under LinkedIn, and also Facebook, and we have a YouTube channel. Awesome. Jen, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing some great thoughts. Um, I, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. It's been great to be here. Hey everyone, and just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you are enjoying this podcast, I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianandreco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the top right corner. There you'll find my newsletter, which goes out once a week, and is more of a digest of various things that I've uncovered, whether it's a podcast, an article, or a video, something of that nature to help you get more informed and get started and keep moving forward on your journey. Secondly, my blog, which goes out three times a week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings, is more of a micro blog, one to five minute reads to get you thinking a little bit differently and help you along the way. I really am grateful for you being here on this episode and thanks for the support of the podcast. And if I can be a resource in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks again and hope to connect soon. Take care.